Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. I'm Ross Carl. Joining me as always, James Parsons in Auckland, Bryn Hall down in Christchurch, and we had another really, really good round of Super Rugby to talk about. Moana Pacifica, of course, came pretty close to you blokes, Bryn. They gave you a good shot at the start there. Yeah, they did, mate. I thought they were tremendous on the weekend, and um, especially in areas that we, we talked about as well. I thought this set-piece line-out drive, especially in that first half and big moments where we found ourselves trying to um, get parity there and trying to score tries, and they, they stunted us a few times in that first half, which was massive. And, look, I thought their defensive intensity in that first 20 minutes was, was right up there. And um, they're probably their scramble D and their ability to connect. They, you know, they made a, attempted 122 tackles in that first half. And, you know, going in 14, 5, 14, 7 at, at half time um, was, was pretty massive for them. And then, you know, probably in that kind of, 60th minute to 65th minute mark, Fina Inesi scoring that try was massive Was massive for them as well. And then um, for us, you know, I thought Dom Gardner, who came on for his, for his debut, was, was awesome around getting that ball back off the, off the kickoff, which probably gave us that momentum back. And we ended up scoring a try off that with about 13, 14 phases off that. And then um, crucially for us, getting that bonus point try in the last, in the last minute, going to our line-out drive and being able to get the five points was massive for us because, um, you know, we probably would have thought that it would have slipped away not getting that opportunity of five points. But I think for us, you know, we, we were a little bit disappointed with our performance. And, and saying that, we had six debutants that were able to play for the first time and being able to get them uh, meaningful minutes and being able to use the whole of our squad was probably the bigger picture and the biggest thing for us, being able to get that result and getting them to play. But um, for us, we're under no illusions at going up against the Chiefs this week who, you know, probably let one slip away in the, in the last couple of minutes due to that, um, that penalty kick. Um, it could be different, but... We know that traditionally it's going to be a tough game, but you know, for Mana Pacifica, um, if they can t- continue to have that kind of standard of how they played on the weekend, um, you know, we could see a few upsets in this um, in the first part of the season. So it was good to see Moana Pacifica do really, really well in their first game and put up plenty of fight and do lots of good stuff. Let's take ourselves into this quick fire round to start because we'll get into the Blues Chiefs, we'll get into the Hurricanes Highlanders, we'll get into the big win for the draw really, really soon. Let's start with Moana Pacifica. Will they get an upset over a Kiwi team before the competition combines? I've, I've gone no, because I think their performance on the weekend has put everyone on notice, and, and I think there'll be a sharper focus when, when teams come up against them. As a person who's played them, where do you stand on this? It's just going to be tough, man, considering how much of a small margin it is, but um, I'm going to agree with Jip that it's going to be a no, but if they continue to keep getting better and they have that level which continues to keep getting better, then we could see it. So the other team that had a real tough time on the weekend was the Chiefs. They could have won that game, they didn't. But we saw something pretty solid from Peter Gus Saul Cooler. Could he be an All Black this year? 
more than pretty solid. His, his stats were ridiculous, and and he's backed it up. You know, two weeks in a row, he was pretty strong against Highlanders. I just don't think so because I just don't know where there's space in the um, back row f- for any spots in the All Blacks. Like it's hard enough to pick that from the squad of last year and the form that they've been showing to then find space for a, for a new entrance. So I'll say no, but if there's injuries, he's definitely put himself a, a, in a position to be there because his performance hasn't just been this year. He was really good for Taranaki and the Chiefs last year as well. Yeah, I, I agree with, with with Peter Gus. I think, look, if you look at his, his, his stats, you know, he had 14 tackles, 15 carries for 82 metres and two offloads and was instrumental in that try with Brad Weber being his second try. And so... I think if he can get that kind of balance around his game and have those kind of numbers consistently um, and does that for the rest of the, especially in these Aotearoa games to start with, um, I agree with Jip. If there are a few injuries, then he could sneak in with those kind of performances uh, for the All Blacks. Could be the best player doing the rounds at the moment who hasn't played test footy. 100%. He's, he's definitely probably the form player, um, but I still think Hardy probably pips him. Like his, his stats again were ridiculous. At 27, you wouldn't want him to be wasted on a single test as an All Black. In a lot of ways, it'd be better off that he ended up playing for Fiji. Oh, I just think whatever he wants. You know, he's the player, mm-hmm. and, and whatever his goals and desires are is probably the only thing that matters. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think he played international basketball as a youth for Fiji, didn't he? He's not. He's not a small human. Yes, yeah, there's plenty going on there. Definitely could dunk it. Okay, next up, Brenner, <laughs> Petafeta or Sullivan at fullback for the Blues. Uh, Perifeta, I think that's easy, man. I think it's really easy, Perifeta. Oh, I've gone Stevie as well, Stevie and Perifeta, but um, I think Sullivan could potentially play that bench role that covers a lot of spots, which is crucial, or he could potentially be in that 12 spot. Seen it work really well for the Reds with um, O'Connor and Stewart, so it's sort of sort of that dual 10, and then with Stevie at the back, it, it could fix that hole um, for, for as long as RTS is out. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, next one and final one, player of the round. Oh, well, I just mentioned two that I thought of and, and Peter Feder and O'Connor, but I went <coughs> with Brad Weber just purely because, like, on a, on a big day, he dots down twice um, and does probably one of the most ridiculous individual tries you'll ever see. To get that bounce, you knew it was his day. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, Brad Weber for the weekend. Brilliant. I've gone, I've gone Peter Gus. I've gone Peter Gus, and I was actually second was pretty close to Artie Sevier, who I thought was massive, and did some massive moments in that game to be able to claw that for the Hurricanes. But um, now Peter Gus with the kind of stats that I that I gave for, um, is my reason for, for picking him this week. It's been a bit of chat about the Chiefs over the weekend, despite the fact that they lost. Um, we saw Josh Lord, best performance of his Super Rugby career, people are saying. What did you make of Josh and how he went, considering he's an all-black already? Yeah, look, I think he was solid. Um, you know, if you look at his numbers, they're, they're not dissimilar to a Goodhue or a Brody, and or, uh, you know, probably the, the most form lock over the weekend was Delaney on debut for the Canes. He was massive. Um, so, yeah, look, I think it's a, it's a performance that is expected of an all-black lock. Um, and, you know, to get back in there, which is a pretty hard job to do, he'll be needing to do that on a consistent basis with the ability to potentially um, you know, upping up uh, I suppose the core roles and potential line-out steals um, that you know, guys like Luke Romano and that in the past has, has been their point of difference to remain in that All Black squad. Mm, there is depth at lock, isn't there? There's a lot of locks to choose from, Bryn. It's not going to be an easy thing just to stroll back into the All Blacks. No, it's not, and you probably thought, you know, 12 to 24 months ago, uh, before, you know, Tupo Vai came into the squad, that kind of timing period, um, we were struggling a little bit in the media talking around, like, who's going to be our locking 
partners moving forward. But no, look, I think there's a lot of a lot of variety at the moment. You've got Josh Lord, obviously, and then you've got all right, Delaney, who I thought was great for the Hurricanes on the weekend. And then even look at like the likes of Blackwell as well, with the kind of motor that he's given and defensively aside as well, making a lot of tackles and being able to be real dominant as well. And then you've got the Crusaders with Quinn, Quinton Strange and Mitchell Dunshay, who have been floating in and around that all-black environment, who have been in our environment for a while. So, um, you know, I think it's probably an improvement in probably the last 12 months considering that, you know, not too long ago we were worrying about who's going to be a locks of Sammy or Brody or um, Scooter got um, got injured in, in the season. Don't forget about my boy Paddy, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah, two ops. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, two ops is there as well, who's earning $1 over in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Just the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's going all right. Um, no, I actually saw a picture of him uh, on the internet the other day standing next to... Oatsy. Uh, Oatsy, yeah. yeah. Look like they're having a great time. They had a little battle against each other with Paddy coming up trumps, I think. Yeah. Paddy's thing's top of the top of the comp. There you go. There's your Japanese, your Japanese top bro. league uh, correspondents. Yeah, yeah, NRL starting this week as well. So we get yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot. Up the Bronx. <laughs> um, now, we would be talking about another Bryn Gatland heroic this week, <laughs> but we're not. I, I swore when the ball went down and he was the guy who was going to kick it, I was just like, the Chiefs have won. Yeah. Chiefs have won because you just kind of he's just that guy. Um, I feel for him and the other kickers. They were all missing and hidden the posts, and it just was not a good weekend for the kickers. No, I, I must admit I I um, sort of convinced myself it was a loss as soon as there was a penalty within that range. Maybe he should have drop kicked it because he's he's done a few uh, match winning <laughs> drop goals. Um, but he, I mean, he, he puts such high standards on himself, especially around his kicking. He, he won't be happy with it, but certainly not his fault. It was still a hard kick, you know, on the 40 metre, 15 in, um, left-hand side. And, and it is a niggly breeze um, at Eden Park. Not making excuses for him, because I know he won't want me to, but um, it, was, it wasn't a gimme. Yeah, is that what that ended way. your goal-kicking career, that niggly breeze at Eden Park? Oh, no, I just went for the one-from-one one down in uh, Hawke's Bay and, <laughs> you know, 100% record. <laughs> nice. One of the all-time greats. So, with that being said about Bryn Gatland, um, do you pick him or Josh Uwane to play against you guys this week, Brynner? Oh, look, they're, they're blessed in that kind of way that they can go either way. I think we've talked about it a lot earlier on the show with around um, talking about Joshy and, and Brunner. But, look, I think with whatever way they do go, Bryn did really well in that final last year we played against. So I talked about it last year, how influential he was in that first 40 minutes when he was on there, whether it be his kicking game, his distribution, or actually taking it to the line when given the opportunities. And then, you know, Damon was in and able to come in in that second half and then been able to open us up a little bit because around his running ability. So if they do go that way, Joshua Wani can do the same thing. You know, you look at that shape that they do run where they've got out the back, hitting and out, out the back from his forwards to Josh on on the back. And then you've got the three fours that run that those good lines that they've had a lot of payout in the first couple of se- first couple of games, sorry, and last year as well. So they can go either way, but um, I think they'd probably stick with Josh. Another opportunity on Brenner. If it's tight, you know, you can always bring a guy on who's great goal kicking, great general play and great game, game management as well. Could they go for both, Bryn, and, and put Bryn at 10 and, and mm-hmm. Josh at 15? Just, I'm just thinking, I know, you know Josh doesn't like playing 15, but I'm just thinking um, the game that they bet you guys last year, Damo was that sort of flat, hard at the line receiver putting guys in holes, and then they almost had that right with Bryn in terms of the tactical kicking and field position in the mm. final. Could they potentially put both of them on the park and they play two different roles, but you know it's a split first receiver? 
I think that's a really good question, Jip, because I think, you know, for us, we, we, we think about it in that 50-22 metre zone, you know, that attacking kick that you can do now. Um, it's really hard if you've got the 10 and the 15 that can be able to see that space. And, you know, all it takes really is one pass from Bryn off a click, off a click play, a counter, a counter attack or turnover to be able to get it to that space. And then Josh can kick it into that 50-22 area mm. as well. And then you're talking around that phase play shape, having two generals who can see the different parts of the field and giving good distribution, communication skills, and having a good idea of where you need to be in that space. So, um, look, I think it'd be a really good, um, a good way for them to go. And, you know, personally, I don't want to see that because I know how hard it's going to be able to defend that. But um, if I'm looking for the Chiefs, yeah, that double pivot role and having Josh, who's played there with the Highlanders and had some good attack. And then I also think as well, um, you know, the Chiefs end up playing a lot of turnover ball or even off quick lineouts and having, you know, Joshuaani in the backfield with a little bit more room, being able to use his footwork and have a go on the outside or being able to eat up metres through the middle with tiring forwards, I think he can do that from the back as well, off kickoffs, kick, sorry, teams kicking us kicking the ball, or just in general play as well. Mm. Over at the Blues, of course, the playmaker there was Bowden Barrett in the second half. It was nice to see him back and playing. Uh, what were your first thoughts about his performance? Obviously, he hasn't had pre-season, he hasn't had all of that either, but he, he looked all right. Yeah, I thought he handled himself well, um, got himself in the right positions. There'll be some things like, again, high standards he, he won't be happy with, but I think for the most part, you know, coming back from the injuries had limited um, sort of lead him because of that progression when you go through the concussion protocols. It is quite a slow, drawn-out process when you've got symptoms um, for that long. So I, I think, you know, he, he'll be happy with that. Um, and with Harry Plummer sort of getting injured, it, it does open up an opportunity for him to jump straight back in there and um, take the reins. It was pretty tough, Plummer and RTS both going down. Yeah, look, I, I think it poses some questions, uh, um, you know, who's going to play in that midfield, obviously. Um, but we've said this in the past, that it's the use of your squad um, that'll get you to the title. Um, so I don't think there's alarm bells going off. They've got plenty of options as well. Heem's played a lot of centre, but I don't know if you want to move Rico. I think Rico's in a really good spot at the moment, so he could potentially come on the bench. And then, as I mentioned before, you know, Azan Sullivan at 12, he's a big body, um, courageous young man, you know, so defensively he'll be able to work well there. But I'd say they'll go with Tanielu, um, Talaia. Um, you know, big, strong carrier will get you across the advantage line and, and, a, and a solid defender. And it's sort of, he's like for like with Roger. Um, so, and I think they'll want to keep that style. And he's had a few years' experience, Bryn. He's been around Super Rugby a while. Tanielu? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's played a lot of 12 for Auckland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's the that's where they'll go, I think, you know, with the likes of Harry and, and Roger being out. And again, he's had success at the Mighty 10 Cup in Bunnings NPC with Auckland. And then, you know, even a couple of years ago as well, when he actually ended up playing a lot of minutes, um, he was playing in that kind of 12, that 12 role as well. So, uh, But then again, I just think it's really important for Rico to stay at that 13 and being able to um, help him out mm-hmm. a little bit more. And then, with the likes of Stephen, Stephen, Stephen Perifetto or Sullivan, whoever starts at the back, being able to give those communication skills into that 12. Because we've talked about it a lot. Yes, a 12 is obviously um, a really important position, but there's a lot of moving cogs for that to be able to give him the information to make his job a lot easier so he can just concentrate on one thing at a time. I think that um, you know Sullivan and Heem, 22 and 23, I mean, that gives you a lot of coverage of positions. Uh, you know, mm. That gives you that balance of the squad really nicely. So like I say, like it's not... Um, you know, obviously you don't want two guys that are playing well go down, but you need a deep squad, and this is a perfect opportunity to test that out. Especially during COVID times, you never know what's going to come. <laughs> no, that is for sure. 
Well, look at the Hurricanes. We'll, no doubt we'll touch on that, but, you know, what a result for them for the fact, you know, Jamie Booth gets ruled out. You get a guy that Logan, it was Logan Henry who wasn't even in the in the squad and comes in. And then obviously the hookers as well, Jip, that you yeah. would have probably seen. Um, you know, what a great story for them to be able to get that result considering the kind of um, resilience they had to show with late late withdrawals and the preparation side. Um, if you're the Hurricanes, no doubt we'll talk about it, but an unbelievable win for them considering um, what they went through, through during the, the back end of the week. Yeah, and just to jump on the back of that, two positions that you probably need the most prep for because you've got to know yeah. all the line-out calls. Like halfbacks need to know where it's going because they're receiving it. Hookers need to know where it's going to throw. You know, systems these days. Like it was, and I was watching the hookers obviously closely um, and, and pretty impressive to, to mm. do that and um, you know, just, yeah. debuts just, as well. Yeah, just on the back of that, just wanted to give a bit of a pump-up to, to Richard Judd, to Juddy. I thought he was great coming in late late in the piece and the fact that he um, put a lot of pressure on Falau Whakataba in, in that first half and I thought probably stunted that Highlanders um, quick ball and him being able to get out and play a bit. So, look, I thought, you know, Juddy was um, was great on the weekend, just something that I had to notice, that yeah, I noticed nice. and wanted to give a pat on the back for Juddy who I thought was good on the weekend as well. Yeah, um, before we get on to Falau Whakataba, these late call-ups, how big a deal is that? Like, how hard is it to cover these guys to make sure that there's people in camp when you're finding out at the last minute? I think, like, the world we're in now, and Bryn might be able to, well, he probably won't because he'll never give away the Crusader secrets, but um, he might be able to allude to it a little bit more. But because you know that it's a possibility, it's preparing those guys outside of the squad, um, potentially involving them um, in plays during the week so that if anyone does drop down, like was always sort of done because of injury, it almost means to be done more so. And and I don't think it's all time on the grass, Bryn. I think it would be those little mini... Um, sort of group meetings like the Lucy's um, connecting the the type five, the the insides, outsides, all being on the same page. So the guys that are playing, yeah, but it's also the guys in the wider squad having a real clear understanding of what the game plan is, what their role is in it, so that they can just jump in um, at, at last yeah. minute. I would have thought in a position yeah. like hooker, especially, let's say you call in a guy from the wider squad in, then you need a person from the wider wider squad to come in just in case something happens just before kickoff, because otherwise you have no scrums, right? Yeah. So it's quite difficult. Well, that's why they always will have a third hooker warming up. Um, so for that exact reason, because there is, it's not a position uh, you can just jump into. Um, so, yeah, mm. yeah. It, 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 probably the toughest position. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a hooker, but it, it is a hard position to um, yeah. uh, um, substitute yeah. in. Because also I know hookers, most of hookers' personalities are... They're so intent on set piece that they need their reps of throws and get their timing right and feeling right. Um, that would be the hardest thing. But on the flip side of that, there's no pressure on you to nail your throws, so you almost could throw better mm. because you're not overthinking it. Yeah. Two two schools of thought there. I think for us, like we, you know, probably the expectation is I know it's hard if you're not named in the, in the 23. Then obviously you want to try and prepare the best the, the starting 23 to be able to to perform but I think coming back to your point Jip those many units have been able to connect and say like you know a what if you know we might have a what if scenario you know what, what if I get injured or Richie gets injured late in the piece what does that look like so then you've still got to be able to have the ability to set the team up like they do as a non-23 but then have the ability as well to know the players to know the players as well so if there is a late injury throughout the week you have at least done the prep around what that looks like so it is a it is a bit of a hard task because you do need to it's not a, your normal standard week because like if you are playing you almost got to go no two teams role. So, like for example, you know if you're not in the 23, they've been able to set us up this week, knowing the Chiefs plays and how they, what all their trends are. But then being able to, you know, if there's late in the piece, 
you've got to still do your homework around what that looks like for how you're gonna if you do get caught in the squad and being able to not skip a beat because you've done your preparation. Are we in a position where teams are going to share players? Like, could this be happening this season where you know you have to call the Chiefs up and go, or the Blues up and go, hey mate? Potentially. Um, yeah, I mean, depth of squads are going to be tested, and and with MP now, um, a lot of them are New Zealand-based players as well. So. Um, potentially, mm. you never say never in this COVID world. Um, yeah. and, and the one thing we have noticed between all the clubs is they've got a strong alignment and a, you know, a collaborating feel um, to, to this comp and making sure that it's the best version it can be. Mm. Mm. That's cool. That's I think cool. a good example, I think, yeah, no, a good example of that, um, Ross, I think it's pretty hard if, you, if you're a contracted player to be able to give them the license to then go and play and get traded to another team. But you know, the wider, the wider players that have come in through the apprentice or the, the injury, non-injury replacement players that have come in throughout the week, like I use Josh Kaifer, for example, who was with us for the whole of preseason, and then now he's with Moana Pacifica just due to the fact of injuries and that kind of stuff. So I think there's a little bit more leniency around the non-players that aren't, you know, contracted with them, and they've got, there's a little bit more leeway in letting those guys out to play. But, you know, I don't think, you know, players that are contracted, you know, for the, within the 32 or 37 will then be able to, like, to be let played for another team. Mm. There's some good opportunities around. Yeah, there certainly are. Like the replacement player pool is always, guys do jump around in the past, but yeah. it's definitely more so now. And, and I don't think we could, um, you know, and this is just my own view is, you know, we can't say it won't happen to, to players in the 37 either. Like we don't know what's around the corner with this um, variant, so. Yeah watch the space <laughs> hopefully it doesn't happen <laughs> we'll see what happens um we were speaking a little bit about richard judd before and the pressure he put on flau fakatava um i suppose flau fakatava's had a dream run through the first year or so of his time with the highlanders um every now and then as a halfback you're going to run into a time and a place where your forwards aren't getting the ball you want and it's going to be a difficult time for you um what did you make of flau on the weekend um, especially considering what we saw from Brad Weber and, and other people who kind of put good halfback performance into context. Oh, look, I just think it's it's a great learning experience, and it's probably how Tony Brown and the Highlanders and Falau will probably be looking at. It. Look, he's you know we know the kind of talent that, that he has and the flair that he has, and that he's able to um, you know open up a game with how he how he plays. But like I've said, probably a lot when it comes to the nine and ten positioning, there's just so much things that you have to worry about, and so you know whether that be quick ball decision making, you know there were a lot, there were a lot of good contestable kicks that I thought he did on the weekend that he executed really, really well. And then, you know, even some second kicks off off those contestables, putting it into space. And so he did some really good things, but I think it'll just be a really good learning around understanding. You look at the game management and when Aaron Smith came on and how the game flowed because it wasn't clunky and he was making the right decisions for his teammates and being able to put them in good positions. And so I think that'll be a transition that, that Falau will be able to continue to keep it. And, and we've seen it. You know, you look at the transformation that he made in his, in, when he was with Hawks Bay before his injury, Look at the season that he had before, and then that season, the growth that he had in that game management and understanding, being able to play. So, I think Falau at the next level, it might be a little bit harder with the fact that Aaron Smith's there. But you know, the, the more opportunities that he does get to be able to start and play more meaningful minutes, he'll grow and be able to have a better understanding of what's needed in those moments, like he did when he was at Hawks Bay and had that great season not too long ago. Mm. When a game is getting the way that did in that game, where it was. A lot of errors, a lot of problems from both sides. It wasn't the prettiest of watches. As a halfback, do you feel like that can kind of domino on you because you are the one who's got the ball the most? 
Yeah, I th- I th- there's, there's a lot of factors, a lot of variables. You know, I, look, I remember, um, Chip, you would have played this game. We played in the Lions. For, this is just me, for example. We played the Lions in, in Joburg. Um, we trained the whole week. It was really sunny. And then for whatever reason, it just pissed, it just, it just pissed down that, that night. That night, And we hadn't trained the whole week. And so we had our whole preview around like um, dry weather, trained really well. And it was like a storm, a torrential storm that had come through that week, that game. And I had an absolute shocker. Like, just couldn't get the ball out um, and had that kind of domino effect that you're talking around um, and Ross. And so I think that's going to happen. You're not always going to be able to play your best game. But I think the biggest thing for my learning was that was in the next week, um, you know, whether I I was on the bench or the next kind of game that I had, was really important to take those learnings and then being able to then get my prep right, trust my instincts, and then not let let that dwell on me. Because a lot of players can be able to fall in the trap around, have an opportunity, have one game where I'm a little bit off, and then your confidence goes down. But... If you take it as a learner, and I hope Falau does take it as a learner because he's going to have so many more opportunities to be able to influence that Highlanders team and he's going to be a focal point in that team for, for a long, long time. A pretty frustrated Tony Brown, Jipper, said there's going to be a tough season for them if they continue the way they are. Um, what needs to change to get their fortunes back in the right way? Well, I think they're actually putting themselves in the right mm. area of the field. It's just converting that pressure into points. Um, so, you know, we sort of spoke about it um, when they played the Chiefs, the Chiefs took the chances they had in the 22, whereas the Highlanders got down there and like a little error or a breakdown turnover meant the opposition got an exit. It was the same, um, I suppose, in the Crusaders game. They, they were putting a lot of pressure on that first 20, 30 minutes. They picked up some penalties, try, but for all that pressure, a quick tap by Severis and um, you know a wide ball and the Crusaders are ahead at half time. You know, that's... That is quite frustrating when you've had that, that amount of balls. So I, th- I think making sure that that doesn't become a continued frustration if they do miss out on points and then just being aware in their preparation and the review work um, that you know th- that time when they enter the 22, the more often they can come away with points, the better. Uh, and, and the Crusaders do it the best. And it was probably um, the first time in the weekend that, that you haven't done it against Moana Pacifica um, as, as consistently as you like due to their more defence like they were, they were outstanding for holding you mm-hmm. out um, and then you eventually got over it um, towards the end but it's not an easy thing to do to go into the 22 and, and come away from points and it can snowball in frustration and then with the amount of turnovers um, 22 turnovers I think that's just a skill set thing um, I don't think you'll see that two weeks in a row um, from a Tony Brown lead, lead side so mm-hmm. a couple of things there attack and um, you know, I suppose more attack stuff, because defensively I think they're holding up quite well. Their stats are, are there mm. or thereabouts, and they're in these games. Mm. It's not like they're mm. getting pumped. It's just it's there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Every time they've got the ball, they're letting themselves down by not finishing things off after you know putting so much pressure on people. Mm. And that's always been Definitely. the hallmark of a good Highlanders side, right? When the opportunities came, they took them. Well, you, you, I, I think of that game against the Blues last year at um, Forsyth Bar. Like every time they went into the 22, they just scored a try, and um, there was that awesome try just before half time. They had the chance to go for the points. They kicked to the corner. You know, Aaron Smith runs around the back. He gives that little flick pass back into Punivai, and he scores in the corner. You know, like they were they're just ruthless um, in that area, and and I think, and rightly so, they're frustrated because you know they're used to you know picking up points. But um, sure. I, I have no doubt they'll work their way through it. They're, they're one of those sides that like to have their backs against the wall. Um, so it's a massive fixture at, at North Harbour Stadium this weekend for the Blues. Mm-hmm. 21-14 is still pretty tight, like you say. The Hurricanes weren't necessarily at their best, but they got it done. What will Jason Holland be pleased with, Jipper? Oh, their ability to score points with such little ball in such little territory. Like They were, they were 40 percent I think both possession and territory so when they got their chances they took it um, and, and they didn't get many and and then I think their defense like their def- they had to make a lot of tackles I think it was 159 or something um, and they tackled it close to 88 87 percent um, so th- those mm. are character that that's not coachable stuff that's that's just what you know as they say at the club rooms under your left hit you know it, it's what um, you want to see out of your team when they're not playing well is it's, they're in that arm wrestle and they can just stay in the fight. They don't let it snowball. Um, and then when the moment comes, they, they, they pounce. And, and I think you look at the work from Umanga Jensen to get on the outside of Gregory, man, that was impressive. Like, Gregory's no slouch. Um, and, and he got round there and then smart enough to shape up and give the inside ball. If he was flustered, that wouldn't have been able to done. You know, the young debutant with a support line and um, that's the foundations of um, you know, good character throughout your squad to allow them to perform when they get their chance. I like that about Umanga Jensen, Bryn, because last week we were talking about the other midfielders yeah, and, the yeah. and how well they were going, and he's looked at it and gone, hey, 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 don't forget about me. I actually watched that, and I was like, man, he's playing with a point to prove. Mm. Like, he came off the bench, yeah. and he was, he was awesome. Yeah. He was yeah. awesome. I thought Billy Proctor was good as well. They've actually got yeah, quite I a thought lot of op- thought- options in the midfield, don't they? Yeah, they do, and I thought, like, like you said, the Umanga Jensen to be able to, you know, have that play to really to really seal the game uh, back in the inside. So debutant Henry was was tremendous, and then we haven't even talked about his brother, mm-hmm. who I thought he's actually he, he slipped into my form fifteen with his stats, and you know I'll probably talk a little bit more about him. But yeah, I think so. There's a lot of lot of depth within that um, within that midfield pairing at the Hurricanes, which you'll probably need, you know, and also the fact we talked about, we touched on it around the COVID, and obviously late. Late changes come in in pretty crucial positions to be able to get the job done. You'd rather win ugly, you know, than lose, you know, tremendously. You know what I mean? And so, you know, being able to have wins like that, you talk around character, building that, 
within your group and being able to have real confidence, I think it's a great result for the for the Hurricanes. And no doubt they'll see the review. They'll look back on what they want to do better. But, you know, anytime you can get a win like that with that kind of disruption at the back end of a week, um, it's, it's great for their, for their season moving forward. And look, Adi Severe, unbelievable again. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable form player of the competition so far. Their pack actually need a bit of credit. Like, Rakiti Stone's try that that was outstanding like that was that was, that was good going their, their set piece was good for late changes um i think 20 tackles to blackwell 18 to delaney mm-hmm. uh, Artie was up there with 14 or 15. um their big boys were were getting through the work um and for the limited opportunities they gave to their their backs um they executed as well Jeez, delaney came out of nowhere as far as i was concerned goodness me yeah and and not like overly tall lock um but man definitely <laughs> He's made a great fist of it and, and no doubt will be pushing mm. for another start. So let's get on to our Form 15s, eh? The dream team on Rugby Pass is something that you need to go and have a look at. Go to rugbypass.com, Super Rugby Pacific Dream Team, and go and put in your team of the week in your team of the week. Change it each week according to who you think the form players are. The person closest to the form team can win a subscription on Rugby Pass this week. It is Thomas Alogia who's getting that recognition so well done mate and also if you are closest over the period of a whole season boys you get a chance to come here maybe sitting there i might be gone they might kick me out kick you out of here maybe on the big screen with Bryn, but a chance to come and have a chat with the boys and uh tell us what you think about footy and where the hell we're getting it right (laughs) so yeah let's get into our form teams and the super rugby dream team with rugby pass who's changed for you this week i've had seven changes because i've gone for a little bit of a tactic of um, you, you can't just have one bad week and you're out of um, the squad. So, I, I, but I have made seven changes. I've, I've got Rakiti Stones. Uh, any loose head that runs like a back like that deserves to come into a form 15. Um, uh-huh. I thought Sione Mafalao was outstanding um, for the Chiefs and, and he had plenty to say uh, when he got that dominance. Peter Gus obviously is in there. I've slipped him in at six, but I can't move Artie. But I just had to find room for him. You know, so he, he can play at six or... Artie, one of them can fight over that. Weber goes into nine. O'Connor at ten. Thought he was outstanding. Um, I've gone Nanai Saturu on, on mm-hmm. um, the right wing, and uh, Caleb Clark's remained there as well. And Stephen Petterfeder at 15. <laughs> Tough to pull out like Will Jordan and Geordie Barrett, but I thought Stevie's game was outstanding. Yeah, he was pretty damn good. Where have you changed yours up? Well, I've gone for kind of form. So the guys that aren't playing, I agree with Jip. We might need a bit more clarity around what that might look like for us moving forward. I'm just going for the guys that have played played for this week. So I've gone similar to Jip. I've gone Stones. I've actually gone Cody Taylor, who I thought was good at coming off the bench and scoring two meat pies. I've gone Mikey Ella, uh, not Mikey, sorry, his brother, Alan Alalatoa. I thought he was massive on the week. He had 18 tackles and topped the tackle count for, for the Brumbies. I've also gone Delaney, Brent Evans, who I thought was good on the weekend. He had two massive turnovers and had 10 uh, tackles, and I've gone actually for one of the Fijian Drua, um, number six, Mirimira. I thought he was awesome on the week. More so his turnovers, he had three massive turnovers, and was was pretty um, massive around that Fijian Drua getting that result. Got Sammy Kane in there, who I thought outplayed Dalton on the weekend. Um, got Peter Gus at eight, Weber, O'Connor, Sotoro. I've actually gone with Umanga Jensen and Fatuli Paya as the midfielding pairing after their um, strong performance for the Highlanders. And then I've also gone Stevie P, who was at fullback. And I've actually gone Tima Whanganuku on the weekend, who had 18 tackles and topped the tackle camp for Minor Pacifica and actually had some pretty good work. We always talk about work rate with our outside backs, and I thought his work rate on the weekend was, was tremendous. So that's my form 15 for this week. A lot of changes, but I've gone through, just like you said, 
who was playing in the form of, of, of the week. So that's how I've picked it. Geez, you're a tough selector to leave Artie out. That's all I will say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had, I had Artie. I, had, I did have Artie, but again, just through Peter Gus, just yeah. his performance on the weekend um, was, yeah, that's why I've gone with him. He's pretty, pretty influential in that, in that performance. Tough life being a selector. Oh, yeah. You, you're not going to please them all. No, no, no. Some people in the squad <laughs> oh. are not going to be happy, but sorry, Artie. Uh, Kitty Eklund, I mean, he got about three or four turnovers, and, you know, he <laughs> yeah. doesn't even get a nod that's in right. Bryn's team, you know? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> Enough for him to go buff a couple of power eights. Oh, eh? yeah, yeah. Like, he's good for that. That's why he's in, that's why he's in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned the Druidbrin, and we should talk a little bit about them because they got their first win on the weekend, didn't they? That was tremendous, tremendous. And then the final score, 31-26 over the Rebels. Um, you know, we picked that it was going to happen at some point soon, and it happened. Bryn, what were you most impressed with in this particular win? For me, to be honest, it was the way they shut out the game. I think in, in, in tight situations, you know, they were able to accumulate points through their penalties and their discipline of, of, the, of the opposition of the Rebels. And so, you know, you probably talk about, we talked a lot around their set-piece parity and no doubt, you know, maybe Jip might go into that. But for me personally, being able to close the game out in a tight situation with not just scoring tries or their flair, yes, there were, there were touches of that throughout the game. But I think the way of them being able to accumulate points from discipline of the rebels and getting those penalties and accumulating that scoreboard pressure in the end you know the rebels score late but you know through those points and being able to get um the points through the penalties uh, it was a difference in the end so i really enjoyed their style of playing and how they finished off the game as a fijian 15s rugby team you know not just like a sevens team that we've accustomed and might people might think that they're just good at playing sevens yeah look i, I think their defense in the first half um 64 territory to the rebels in that first half and, and they were under the gun um, and, you know, obviously the Rebels went up with a couple of tries, but they, they just hung tough in there. And then where I think they've made their biggest improvement is their balance of attack. So we spoke about their ability to find um, kick space and options. So nine was their total amount of kicks in round one, 22 on the weekend. That's a big difference for kicks in play. Mm -hmm. And so I think they're really showing that, OK, we actually need to... Um, balance our, our reserves where, as in our um, energy tank reserves, like where we're going to put our energy. Are we going to put it 90 metres out from our try line or are we going to put it um, 20 or 30? And I think that, that worked wonders for them with them still having their flair. So I think that every decision they made was a calculated decision, like the quick tap that led to a try, that wasn't reckless. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that ended up in points and then you know, then they have that big pushover scrum. They take their points where they need it. So I just, I don't know, it's just like the penny dropped with their game drivers and the way they structured their attack. And they've always had that, you yeah. know, that strong work ethic on D, but they were making their hits stick um, and they won the breakdown battle. So they got more turnovers um, to mm. the Rebels and, and that always makes a, a, makes a big difference. Mm. And they took those little opportunities when they came, right? There was the big breakdown on the left-hand side for length of field try. There were things like that which change the momentum and make sure when the opposition are in your territory mm. they don't get points a absolutely but I, I think they had the ability to make the most of those opportunities because they weren't tired mm. and weeks previous when they haven't kicked out of their own half they have sucked up so much energy defensively then to turn themselves straight onto attack no one's going to survive under that, those um, sort of conditions in, in super rugby and, and that's where it allowed them to take those opportunities because they had more more juice the Brumbies and the Reds, um, 
Are they doing it the way that you expected them to? Wins against the Waratahs and the Force on the weekend? Yeah, I think so. I think, well, I picked the Force, so I got that one wrong. I thought the Force were going to tip them up. But, um, you know, probably with the Reds, that, that Reds performance, um, very similar to the Hurricanes. They had the opportunities. They scored points off it. So a lot of that game, you know, the Force had a lot of opportunities to be able to score points and probably just due to the execution, didn't get that right. And in the other way, um, you know, with James O'Connor and his influences on the game, being able to set up with Triasis um, was probably the difference as well with his ability to be able to inject himself in the game in, in big moments. And then um, the Brumbies, you know, traditionally, you know, we'll, we know we're going to get with them around their set piece and being able to um, being able to win it through that way and the vari- variation of their game. But, you know, they didn't win, you know, they didn't win a lot of the stats, to be honest. And so they'll probably be looking at that game and thinking, like, how can we how can we get better? But again, they're winning games and um, I picked the force, you know, so um, I had actually a pretty shocking week, to be honest, so pretty disappointed in myself, if I'm being fair. The force should have won that game. They're two yellow cards, they're yep. 20, 20 minutes down to 14 men. Um, but the difference was O'Connor. Mate, he was, mm. his ability to manipulate D to set his teammates up was just, like, it's one of the best games I've seen him play in a long time. Um, obviously a place where he started his career, so you, you know you always go back to those sorts of places and want to perform. And he did that because it was pretty even throughout, but it, it was mm-hmm. him sort of single-handedly putting guys away that, that made, it, made it push out to four tries to two. But um, I don't think the force will be too... They won't be happy with it, but they, they're there or thereabouts. Um, the Brumbies, on the other hand, um, I, I've got a feel for the Waratahs. Two weeks in a row... Statistically, mm. they've been all over teams, all over the Reds, all over the Brumbies, and just can't get it done. Um, so, I, I think hopefully they're sort of like the Highlanders in a way. Like um, it'll turn. You just you know, speaking from experience uh, from teams that may have you know struggled at times, it does turn. You just got to keep that belief and keep persevering with it, um, because the Warriors are doing some pretty special things, um, but they're just not. Uh, making the most of it to, to get the results. Um, and, and teams like the Brumbies and Reds know how to win. I know that sounds so stupid and cliche, but they do. Um, with such little opportunity, they still got the job done. Um, and and they, they go up in sevens, do you, especially the Brumbies. Mm. They go up in sevens rather than threes, whereas the Waratahs made these amazing breaks. It was killed. They took the three. Mm. And by half time, you know, the Brumbies have gone up to 21 and they're at six. It's like... Oh, I don't know. It's not. It's not fair. I think that's the, the beauty of the. If you look at the Highlanders and you look at you know, uh, the Waratahs as well, the ability of the playoff system is going to fit right into them. I think, Jip. You know, you're talking around and being able to gain momentum at the back end of the season. Hopefully, you know, for those teams, they're thinking that, and you know, you know, they hit form like the Highlanders did when they won their won their championship at the back end of the year. But they're building good stepping stones where they are now. Yes, they're not getting the results on, on the pitch, but um, you know. If you look previously and you look at probably Aotearoa and AU, trans, you know, the AU, you probably needed to get a, a fast start to be, able, to be able to be in that final. You wanted to start really well, but, you know, fortunately with this competition, you can afford to be able to, you know, start zero and three or not be able to get a w- wins early in the year, but can still build enough in your game to be better, sorry, to, to play well, not get the result, but then hopefully it kicks in the gear at the back end of the year and you could slip into the eight, whether it be that eighth or seventh spot, knowing that you're going to hit a rich of form, hopefully at the back end of the year. The back end of the year is tough, though, when you played all Australian sides at the front end of the year. And I don't want this to sound arrogant, but, you know, history has suggested that the New Zealand sides are the stronger sides in these combined competitions. Is that going to be something they're going to run into at the end of the year, Jipper? 
Oh, it's too hard to tell. Like, I think we'll know more when they first get that opportunity to play each other. Because um, you can't go on past years. Like, like I, I've really enjoyed watching some of the, the Aussie derbies. That they've been, you know, really entertaining footy. Um, and, and that's why I feel for the Waratahs, because they've provided a hell of a lot of entertainment and they don't have a lot of points uh, to show for it on the table. So I'll keep my powder dry till that first week um, to see where things lie. And it's also... Um, you know, what squads um, decimated with injury. There's a lot to consider between now and then. Another game on the weekend that we had, which wasn't uh, Super Rugby Pacific, it was Super Rugby Opeki, and it was the pre-season game. The competitions obviously had a lot of setbacks, unfortunate setbacks because of COVID, and we wish we could see more of it. But unfortunately, you know, we're looking at three rounds and, and no final now. The Chiefs, who a lot of people are talking up because they got a superstar backline, an absolute stellar backline. <laughs> 28-20 over Matatu in their pre-season game. Um, relatively close. I mean, Matatu have got basically the history of being the Canterbury team, um, so they've won a lot of titles. After that long preamble, <laughs> do, do you think that the Chiefs can win this whole thing? Do they look after the preseason like the teams are back? They're definitely favourites. Like, if you look at the squad, there's a ample Black Ferns um, in that team. Um, you know, it's not to say that they won't be challenged, um, but uh, you'd have to go. They're, they're rearing hot favourites, and, and they got a, a, yes. out to a hot start. I think they were up 21-3 at, at one stage. Um, it finished 28-20, which was closer um, than probably the game suggests. But um, Matatu have uh, Kendra Cox needs to come back. Um, you know, the Blues have a number of uh, Black Ferns and, and have been working hard, and as do the Canes. So it's not all said and done. But if you're looking at those teams on paper and the experience, um, you know, Blackfern's skipper is the skipper of um, the Chiefs' Manawa. So uh, I, I think that they'll go close. I'll, I'll still uh, be supporting the Blues, of course. But um, it's, it's, yeah. What do you reckon, Bryn? Yeah, look, I think that Chiefs team um, is pretty stacked. If you talk around the, the back line and being able to... You know, hopefully Stacey Flula, she hopefully she's not um, too too banged, um, being banged up because I saw her obviously in a, in a, in a shoulder brace or in a, in a sling. So she's massive for them moving forward with just how she plays with distribution. Her one-on-one ability with her footwork, and then you've got Portia Woodman out on the on the edge, who scores that you know seventy-meter try through her speed and how much she can turn a game on her head um, with her ability. And then I think their forwards as well, Jip. I thought they were great on the weekend as well. I think Mata too. Um, you know, probably one of the probably the solutions or learnings that they'll want is just defensively one-on-one tackles. I thought a lot of the time in the middle of that field, uh, they missed a lot of tackles and the Chiefs being able to go through and build momentum to then be able to get on the front football um, was pretty good for the Chiefs. So um, I'm going to back Mata too. I think Kendrick Coxedge is a massive um, part of that group and who not being able to play is, is massive for them and probably um, she adds a lot to that environment. And on Thursday, they play Mata too again. So do we end up with the same result? I'm going to back Mutz too. I think having Kendra Coxedge in that environment and her back, hopefully she's playing. Um, she'll be massive for them moving forward. And you know, it wasn't too long ago that she was the best player in New Zealand, in in New Zealand um, for both male and female, and it was warranted on her performances. So I think having her back in that environment will be the difference. And depending on Stacey Flula, if she doesn't play, um, it's a big loss for Chiefs as well. Well, they didn't, they've got Chelsea Alley waiting in the wings, so. I'm sure she'll fill a good gap in the in the midfield there. <laughs> I'm going the chance. Chelsea Simple, actually. Chelsea oh, Simple. Yeah, yeah, true, true. My apologies, James Simple. Yeah. My apologies. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you're thinking Chiefs. Yeah. You've got a. You basically like the Chiefs all round, no matter what competition. Oh no! Look, I just say it how it is. Yeah, you know, it's just the facts. Don't miss the kickoff of the first ever Super Rugby Opiki. It's going to be a fantastic competition. So, let's move on to the Six Nations. Crunch match this weekend: England versus Ireland. Who are you tipping? Ireland. Sexton back. Um, just the way they played against the French. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know they've come off a good win against Italy. That was, you know, around the red card scenario. But they they, they played the team they played and got the result. Um, I, I just I think they're a quality outfit, um, and, and hopefully, um, you know, all things being equal, it, it's a tight contest. And and it, you know, England, I think England's a, like Ireland and France's ability to score points and score by sevens is a big point of difference. And I just don't think against either Ireland or France you're going to be able to chip away at threes. Um, I, I could be wrong, but I think their attack needs to start setting fire. Um, that's the English attack. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Ireland as well. But we've talked about it. I think we talked about it last week, or a few weeks ago, around how England can win this game. And it's been able to slow down Ireland's ball. We talked around their phase play shape and how and how lethal it is when they get that go forward ball. And Jamison Gibson Parks giving that lightning quick ball. So if you're England, I touched on it um, the other week, that eight-pack, they've got to be able to have that physical dominance and be able to really own that collision of the breakdown, slow down that ball, make it a dogfight, um, and then being able to, you know, whether that be strangling and strangling them and holding them and then accumulating points through threes or then scoring points when they do have the opportunity as well. But I'm picking um, Ireland. They'll be too tough. They've got too much firepower at the moment and how they're playing with their attack shape. Mm. In golf, we'd call it moving day, wouldn't we? And mm. this round is moving round. This is where it gets won and lost. Yeah, yes and no, because England do play for France, so it gives Ireland the ability to potentially become the champs if they win this weekend and the following, and, and England can pit one of them. Um, or England wins this weekend and they're, they're in the race and it's a straight head-to-head -head against mm. the French. So, uh, yes, it definitely will give us a clearer picture, but I don't think it's all said and done. France v Wales, do Wales stand a chance? They're at home. Oh, look, I think they'll be there or thereabouts, but um, I just think the French are too slick at the moment. Man, they're just good both sides of the ball. They're desperate on defence when broken. Um, their their counter-attack structure, their phase play structure, their ability to play off DuPont and Intimate. There's just so much to like about them. Um, and, and I know we always um, hone in on DuPont and Intimate, but the, what the French forwards are doing terms of their physicality you talk about the physicality like that that was such a brutal match against the Irish like those are two big packs just mm. going head to head and they were actually the difference to winning that game mm. um, so uh, it's a big big ask for Wales. Mass Vass, what do you think? Yeah I'm going to go for the French just with how they've been playing but again I think it's another opportunity as well you know we talked around Scotland and then being able to dominate and expecting them to win um, you know Wales and knowing Wayne um, Jipper, you know he'll be seen as an awesome opportunity for those for that group of men to be able to tip up the, probably the favourites of the Six Nations, and so it's another banana skin game, another opportunity to show them that you know they're the real deal this year. And I think um, just on that, I think you know France will will get the job done against the spirited Wales side. Do you think Scotland will look a whole bunch better this weekend against Italy? I mean they they've shown so much potential. Well, that's probably their goal. You know, you're thinking around, we've talked around, they probably should have won a couple of those games just with the way they were playing. And so, you know, they're probably seeing this game as something to stop, to stamp their authority and 
you know, having that kind of um, ability to win those games convincingly, knowing that they should win them. So ideally, I'd hope to think that that group, you know, within the coaching staff and the players, they're thinking like, yep, uh, we're probably out of the, the race of the Six Nations, but, you know, a good performance here to be able to build confidence moving forward um, for not only in the back end of the season, but, you know, the World Cup's not too far away and winning convincingly against Italian side that's been struggling for a while now um, is probably expectation for that group to win it and win it pretty convincingly. Let's have a look at the predictions for this week. Blues v Highlanders in Pacific. Blues. Blues, but the Highlanders need it, man. The Highlanders need it, but I'm going Blues. Rebels, Brumbies. Oh, Brumbies. Rebels are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Brumbies. <laughs> they are very good. It's true. We shouldn't laugh at them too much. Um, I did enjoy the flick on from Matty Tamur at the start of the game against the draw. At least there's some entertainment there. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love your work. Got me on the hop. Yeah, mate. Hurricanes. Got, got, got to tell them how it is. Yeah, this got is how it is. Hopefully they can get better. They've been terrible. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, Hurricanes versus Moana Pacifica. Canes. Canes. Canes as well. Crusaders, Chiefs? Chiefs. Chiefs. Obviously, the, the Chiefs are favourites, Bryn. Um, so, <laughs> Crusaders. Crusaders. I'll, uh, back, I'll back out soon. I'll back out soon. Queensland Reds versus Fiji and Drua. Bryn? Reds. Reds. And lastly, I don't think this is a tough one, or is it? Waratahs versus the Force. Waratahs at home. Waratahs have got to get up. They've been playing some good rugby. I'll back them. I'll go force. And it's a huge weekend of rugby. Wales versus France. France for both of you? Yep. Italy yep. versus Scotland. 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 And Ireland versus England. Ireland. 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 All round to that. Jeez. That looks like it could be the French basically sewing this thing up. All but this All weekend. But. Plenty of rugby to catch this weekend. Sky Sport, of course, for the live action. RugbyPass.com for all of the analysis that you need. So much rugby. Six Nations. Super Rugby Opiki. Super Rugby Pacific. Thank you very much to James Parsons. Bryn Hall down there in Christchurch. We'll catch you again next week on Aotearoa Rugby Pod. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.